Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen, regardless. We're going to read from Acts chapter number 2 tonight. And uh, or this morning, I got my days and nights mixed up. I'm sorry about that. Acts chapter number two and verse number 37. Amen. The Bible says, Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. For a little while this morning, I want to go back to just some uh, elementary element of, of, of the word of the Lord and of the apostolic message and teach this morning along the lines of the principle of repentance. The principle of repentance. Brother McGee, you've done this before, and I shall do it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Amen. We need this constantly in our life. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. God, I appreciate you, and I honor you, Lord, in this place. God, I pray, O Lord, today, God, let your word go forth. Let it find, God, its place and its lodging, Lord Jesus, in our hearts. Help us, God, to be encouraged and strengthened and ministered to by the word of God. I pray, O Lord Jesus, that someone's alive. God could be touched, Lord, that perhaps never heard, Lord, this message, Lord, of repentance. God, that they could, Lord Jesus, do something, Lord, with what is said or what is spoken today. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. And the church say amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. The principle of repentance. The principle of repentance. We take take some of these uh, things such as repentance and uh, water baptism in Jesus' name and even the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Some of these principles, if you've been in church for any uh, length of time, it is easy. And I understand sometimes we don't mean to, but it's just a fault of ours that sometimes uh, we allow these things to slip by and they lose some of their luster and some of the vital importance that they really have in the life of the church, amen, in the life of our assembly. And uh, with that being said, uh, because we have heard uh, the message of repentance uh, umpteen times if you could keep tallies and maybe you're one of those uh, Bible people that write in the edge of your Bible and you can tally every time that anybody's ever preached along uh, this scripture and you got uh, more you got more tally marks and you got paper in the margin of your Bible uh, to be able to recount that and as, or as, 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 as that happens though we find ourselves sometimes that because we know it we think everybody knows it and that's not the case Uh, There are still people that walk into our assemblies that need to hear uh, the message of repentance. They still need to know that that is required and commanded in Scripture to take place, for that matter. Uh, We don't want to be too too, uh, corrective and like, man, why aren't you repenting whenever they've not heard the message of repentance? or do not see a reason or a purpose for repenting. But that is in essence what's happened here in Acts chapter number 2 because we have seen that Peter preaching his message as he did on that day of Pentecost. There's something that that pricked those people in their hearts, uh, very peculiar in Acts 2 and verse 36, and it won't be up there, but in your Bibles. The Bible says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, here's Peter, he's talking to all these groups of people, that God hath made that same Jesus, look now, he gets, in, he gets in everybody's face. He says, that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and God. So he doesn't mince words right here, speaking to the people that were gathered there at Pentecost. He lets them know, It was because of their hands and their lives, they were the ones that crucified him. Uh, The scripture, I believe it is in Galatians, that states that curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. And the curse that he had was the curse of 
our sins and our iniquities. The handwritings of the ordinances, the Bible says, that were written against him were nailed what? To the tree. But they weren't written against him. They were written against us. And so it was the misdeeds of our lives that put the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we crucified him. And something happened in the minds of those people. Maybe they never realized that. Maybe no one was ever that forthright with them just to look them square in the face and say, you're the reason that man was ever crucified. You're the reason that that man died. It was, I know it was the hands of soldiers that held the hammer, but it was in, in essence your hand that was holding the hammer because you had sin and you had iniquity. You had all these things in the, your life and that's what crucified the Lord and Savior. You have crucified him. And so there has to be a realization just as it was in that day, likewise in our day, that we got to bring to the modern society that we are the ones that crucified the Lord. My hand in your hand. Because of our lifestyles, because of being born into this nature of Adam, this sinful nature, our sins put him on the tree. Our iniquities placed him on the tree. And the more we come to terms with that and own that, it will provoke then inside of us as it did in those, that early church. And there's thinking, man, we got this blood on our hands of a man that was perfect, that was sinless. We nailed him to a tree. We have all this cause upon our hands. What are we going to do about this situation? And that's the question then that they posed to Peter. He says, what, what shall we do when they heard this? See, there would have, I don't believe there would have been the question had there not been the address straight to them that you're the cause for the crucifixion. They understand that they had part in that. And when they understood they had part in that, then they're asking, well, what can we do about that? And then that's when the first words that comes out of Peter's mouth whenever he responds is repent. Amen. You know, the old saying used to be sometimes you got to get people lost before you can get them saved. Because we live in a world, everybody's saved. I'm saved, you're saved, you're fine, I'm fine. We all have different roads. They're all going to lead to the same place. But that's not the case. And so we still got to rise in our churches and in our conversation and say, that's not the case. Your hand just as my hand has done sin and iniquity and we got to deal with that. We can't leave that undone. We can't leave that undealt with. You know, it's very, it's, it's a tragedy sometimes that uh, even sometimes people in altars, we want to get them to fill with the Holy Ghost or all these things uh, are baptized so quickly that we miss this idea of repentance. And they must go by the way of repentance. They got to die. Amen. There's some things in their life that need to die. And you know what's, you know what's interesting in the natural realm? Uh, dead, dead people change significantly. <laughs> they lose all their old habits. Could someone just say the word all for me there? They lose all their old habits. Dead people do. Oh, I'm starting to feel a little anointing come in here. They don't ever revisit the places they once frequented. Dead people don't. Amen. And I, I live in the modern day society and this is what I hear and I do believe this to a certain degree but I understand how it can also become an excuse. And I understand that old things are passed away and behold all things come new. You've heard me teach that. You've heard me preach that and that becoming is a process but that becoming was never meant to be a lifelong process here on earth. Amen. Because there's some things that we know with absolute reality that we've been in church long enough, it's been preached on, it's been taught on, we know it's wrong, we know we shouldn't go there, we know we shouldn't do that, we know we shouldn't appeal to those type of things, but you know what, sometimes we use the excuse, well, I'm still becoming a Christian, and we've been here for 15 years. Amen. What we need to do is own some things, deal with some issues. 
Amen. Deal with some issues in our life because you can't go on living the same way you always lived and still claim to have the spirit that you have. The light and the darkness don't comprehend each other. He's not going to share his glory with another. He's not going to cohabitate with anything else. No, 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 no. So we can't use this little excuse. And I believe that's there, yes, for a new convert. That's in the becoming process. But, you know, you know nobody likes a long, drawn-out death. <laughs> nobody likes a long drawn no one likes to see someone in the stages of in between and suffering though surely somewhere along the line they're saying Lord you know just just take them why because nobody likes to see a long drawn out death and let me tell you as a pastor as a church leader I don't like seeing long out long drawn out deaths either I don't like to see people touching and going hitting and coming no 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 let the flesh die let the works and the deeds of the flesh die mortify that stuff kill it and let's live in a new life Amen. Carrying around a bunch of excess baggage that you do not need and nor is it beneficial. We must repent. Amen. Beyond salvation, we need to repent. Because in to totally, listen, in, in order to in totally enjoy your spiritual life, then you've got to totally die. Mm-hmm. That person will not have the enjoyment of the life hereafter or the horrid episode of the life hereafter until they totally let go of this life. They must totally... And so likewise, in our life as spiritual beings, as walking on this earth, we cannot enjoy everything of the spiritual life that God has for us until we totally die out to the things that are of this flesh. Amen. And the scripture admonishes us about this spiritual death. If you'll turn with me to Romans chapter number 6. Romans 6. Verse number six. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body, here's the purpose, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Someone say destroyed. It's not that it might be dissembled or broken down but destroyed because broken down things gets fixed disassembled things get put back together but when something is absolutely destroyed you can't do anything else with it and I don't know bishop but sometimes maybe we have a you know uh, underscored that enough that the body of sin might be destroyed we're crucified him our repentance all these things that take place amen that we go through in the plan of salvation is for that destruction of the body of sin now you're saying pastor you're saying you're never going to sin again no that's not my that's not what i'm saying i know there's times that we slip up and there's mishaps but there's one thing going in something headlong with your eyes wide open Because I have people I know that does stuff that they know they're not supposed to do. But they do it anyway. And they throw down their grace card out of their wallet and out of their billfold. You've misunderstood grace. Amen. It's, it's not that I do these things and bless God, we have a loving church and a loving family and everybody's going to understand it. Well, that's great. We all may understand to a certain degree, but there's a God in heaven that's shaking his head and saying, hey, we need to destroy the body of sin." You don't need to be getting on the merry-go-round and going round and round and round the same old issue and the same old stuff time and time and time and time again. It's time to, the Bible speaks, we got to leave some of that stuff and we need to move on. We need to go forward a little bit. You're never going to get some of the other issues in your life because you've been dealing with the same issue for the past 10 years. If you could get through that issue, there's some other issues. There's another issue waiting you. Amen. 
He says, let that body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Uh Uh-huh. Because if you're going through the practice of disassembling the body of sin, I'll tell you what will happen through a process of time if you don't destroy it. You'll start be putting that thing back together. Uh Uh-huh. If you just break down the body of sin and cause there to be a breach in it, you'll find some way to repair it. The nature of your flesh. You need to allow God to destroy that thing for you. To where his appetite becomes your appetite. Remember the Old Testament, in the Old Testament that he had certain means and measures for which his people should bring sacrifices to them. He gave certain animals that should be brought, how they should be brought, how it should be prepared. And the reason why he did all that, there was only certain animals that he would accept because, and then remember that whenever they brought that, many times there was a kickback that they got to keep part of the meat and eat it themselves. Amen. And so what he was doing in all of that, he was, amen, determining their appetite by his appetite. Yeah, because they couldn't just do this thing at home. They couldn't do it if it wasn't, you know, it had to be totally drained with blood. And so whenever he did all that, he says, there's only certain things I can have. And whenever I get those, there's going to become a kickback. You're going to eat of it. But only thing that you're going to be able to eat of are the things that are pleasing to me. Amen. And so some of us have stayed home and we got our own little cupboard. Now we wouldn't offer it to God because he's not pleased with it. But it pleases us. But the Old Testament type is still true for the New Testament. He wants us to feed upon only the things that are pleasing to him. And to participate in only the things that are pleasing to him. Going on, he said that henceforth we should not serve sin. Amen. For the Bible says, for he that is dead is freed from sin. He that is dead is freed from sin. Just turning one chapter or a couple chapters over to chapter number 8 and verse number 13 of the same book. The Bible says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. If ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify or kill the deeds of the body, ye shall live. It's through repentance. Therefore, then that we die with Jesus Christ for the purpose and reason that we might truly experience the life, the new life, the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, whenever uh, he was the forerunner of Christ, and we have said this, but it bears repeating today, his call to the people of the first century was to repent. His call for Israel was for them to change, to repent. Repent ye, he oft times said, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And there's sometimes, no, you can turn to Luke 3. There's a few scriptures there. John, in Luke chapter number 3, that's talking about repentance. Look now, he oft times, sometimes, I should say, sometimes spoke very offensively to that generation. He says in Luke 3 and verse number 7, if I can turn there, Luke 3 and verse number 7, these words, now look at this. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. What are you saying, John? He said, bring forth fruits. Bring forth some fruits here. Look at the verse just one more time, verse number eight. He said, bring therefore fruits worthy of repentance. In other words, John is telling them, had you repented, the fruit of your lives would have showed. Showed it. Had you repented, the fruit of your life would have changed. Bring forth some fruit worthy of repentance. What are you saying, John? He's saying, the actions, inactions, what you involve yourself with, what you say, how you act, how you characterize yourself, all of that will change. It will be a different fruit if there's been a repented or a change of heart. He says, so I'm getting a mixed signal though if you're all saying you're repented, but the same fruit's on the tree. 
When we go through acts of repentance and there's just, you know, it's like changing, let's say there is an a, a, a orange tree that's going to change to an apple tree. You know, nothing wrong with an orange tree, but let's just say it's just bad to be an orange tree. And all of a sudden there is a change of the mechanism and, and chemistry of the tree. And, and the better part then is to become an apple tree. Lo and behold, repentance, the change happened. It's an apple tree, but it still has oranges that come up on the branches. Now, was there a change or not? Because the Bible says, by their fruit ye shall, what? Know them. So, by our fruit, what are we saying then about our life? Are we his, are we not his? Do we belong to God? Do we not belong to God? Amen. Someone say amen. And so he's speaking to them and telling this. And he goes on to tell them, look, he didn't even make repentance optional. He said to them in verse number 9, he says, And now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. In other words, John's saying, You got to repent or you will perish. And that was the message of Jesus. You must repent or you will perish. Now, repentance is more than a good speech. Repentance is more than lip service. Repentance does invoke and provoke action in our life. So it's more than just a nice apology like we did, God, I'm sorry. No, it is an actual change. How do you know? Because the fruit starts looking different on the tree. Amen. And so there's going to be a change. He didn't give them an option. He said, man, we, we got to do this. This is a must. Amen. And whenever they asked what they should do, look at this. This is important. Whenever they asked John what they should do, John did not say to the people, look, he didn't say to the people, well, go home and pray to the Lord and the Lord, he'll show you what, what you should change. No, he starts telling the people very quickly after that, he said, basically, here are a few things that he said. He said, if you have two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. If, if, if likewise, if there's someone that hath meat, let him do likewise. He said to the tax collectors, he said, exact no more than which is upon you. He told the soldiers, he said, do no violence to man, neither accuse any falsely. He said, be content with your wages. What are you doing, John? John's saying, hey, you're asking about this repentance thing and what should be done or what ought to be done. He said, I'm not, not just saying, hey, go home and just, you just do whatever feels right because if you're going to operate off your feelings, you'll continue to do what's wrong. He says, I'm not, I'm not just telling you just whatever feels right. He says, let me give you this. This is, here, this is what you should do, and this is what you should do, and this is what you do. And that's the reason why sometimes from this pulpit, you know what, we get up and we try to say, this is what you should do, and this happens, this is what you should do. If that happens, this is what you do. Because we're not leaving this repentance of what you should turn from stuff, just something out here that's very questionable, and it's all inspiring, and it's different for everybody. That if this person feels like, then that's okay. They can keep that and do what else they want. And that person, they, well, no, no, no. God didn't leave all that up just to all of our just personal choice and reasoning. No, he gave us some explicit answers in Scripture. What we must follow hard after and what we should shun. Yeah. Amen. I don't to, there's certain things I don't want, you know, I don't need a prophet to speak over me. The prophet already spoken to me. Amen. I don't have to get a dozen people's opinions and try to find a majority among them. I've already got the only opinion that matters and counts. And whether the majority is in opposition to what this says, I go with this. Amen. This is not, this is not just an area that we just dabble in and just we just do however we feel and however we want. No, 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 no. John says, hey, how, how can we do this? What about this repentance thing? He says, okay, here's what you don't need to do and this is what you do need to do. Get him all around. It's really not my place to say, this is the day, Sadi, don't judge me. I want to throw up all over, don't judge me. Because if me as a pastor, or Paul McGee sitting here, and I'm telling you something, but is directly in line and purpose with this right here, I know you see me in my face and my body, and I'm a person in humanity that's saying it, but I'm just trying to be a voice to that which is already written here. 
And so I'm really not speaking my, for myself. I'm speaking for him. And so I'm not judging you. His word's going to judge you. And, if, and I, we've said this all over. I'm going to say it again. If you have a problem with that, judgment day's going to come. And you know what's going to be open? The books, the 66 books. And when it says flee fornication, it's not going to change then the way it is right now. When it says not to be taken with strong drink, when it says not to defile your body, and that can, that can encompass a bunch of stuff. Now, I'm just a preacher that just happens to be holding the mail and saying it, but that's God's word. So don't look back at me with your little eyes in a, in a, in a kidding manner or serious and say, don't judge me, pastor. I'm not judging you. God's word already has you judged. It's about where will you be when judgment day comes. You've already been judged. It's just the unfolding of events when judgment day happens. Amen. So that means, man, I need to start flying right now because I guarantee you if you don't get it where it needs to be now, there's a slight chance it's going to happen before rapture day. You've got to get where you need to be now because you're not oblivious to what's been preached behind this pulpit. It's not something we try to keep secret or hide in the corner somewhere. We just bring out on Wednesday nights. Amen. John spoke it unmistakably. He told Herod, it's wrong for you to have your brother Philip's wife. He didn't say, well, I understand there are some circumstances right now. No. He said, it's wrong. I'm telling you, I enjoy camp. It's almost put an axe in my hand. Because we, uh, listen, around here, we need to, I'm going to have to start just talking about what's just really wrong again. Because I don't know if, as a lack of it, everybody just thought it's okay and it's well, although we preached it before. Just going to have to preach it again. It's wrong. It's wrong. There's some things, even by the traditions of men, the Bible says that we still uphold to. Why? Because the bishops and those that went before us said, hey, we shouldn't go there and we shouldn't do that. Why? There's some purpose. God's leading them as a shepherd. There's some purpose and all that. And it's time we're just going to have a voice those things again because I don't want anybody to think, well, maybe something's changed. Maybe that's not the case. No, no, no. It's still going to be wrong. Amen. I'll just, I'll just state this one just up front. Knock on the door over here to the young people and they hear me. Let me tell you, when we first come to this church, there was times that we got around 30, 30 young people on Friday nights. And you know, over a course of period of time, we've went down to probably about a third of what we used to have. And you know what most of those, and I tell this to young people whenever I preach or teach to them anywhere, you know what it's been? Because people stepped outside the church to find a spouse. You can trace a lot of the lines to the people that went wayward out of here because they went back. And teenage years are very contemplative years. Amen. And it's where we've lost people over the years. And so we're just going to have to tighten up shit and do something, get everything in alignment because I, I do not want to lose other people just because they're just doing something that's absolutely wrong when they know better. So we're just going to keep it in front of them. Shouldn't do that. Shouldn't do that. Shouldn't do that. If, there, if the boldness of God would just come upon me, amen, I, like never before, I hope that if I see, and you're going to get offended, you're going to be mad at me, but I hope if I see someone going that way, I'm not going to wait too much time and go to you and let me tell you, you're making a mistake. What you're doing is wrong. Because you start doing that and you'll start shacking up with them. You'll start having premarital sex. You'll start all this other garbage. And it's wrong! We need a spirit of repentance to hit the church from the front to the back to the leadership to the child. There needs to be repentance. It might make you mad, but it might save your soul too. Nobody likes to repent. It's uncomfortable to start telling God how you messed up, how you did wrong. But we need to get uncomfortable around here. We don't need to come in with all our past sins and feel comfortable in the house of God. It needs to provoke a change in our life. 
We are not going to institutionalize a comfort church around here where we can do whatever we want and still comfortable coming to the house of God as though it don't matter. No, 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 no. I want conviction of all. John said, boy, that sin cost him his life. <laughs> but it didn't go unsaid. The Bible records that even Jesus, whenever he came, he began the ministry with the same controversial message. I want everybody to understand something. Before you jump off board and say, well, we'll have guests and visitors and all that that come in. Yes, I understand. And we'll... We'll handle them with gentle hands. Trust me. But 15 years into the walk, we're going to just tighten up the ship. Because I would to God, I have to stand before the Lord someday that if I have the majority of the people that's in this place that we make comfortable on their life on earth, that raise up their head in hell and say, hey, would you cool my tongue? Rich man, he was comfortable. That was the problem of that story. He was comfortable while he lived and the discomfort came in the afterlife. Lazarus, the Bible said, that was uncomfortable while he lived, but he was comfortable in the afterlife. I'd rather you be uncomfortable now being uncomfortable for all eternity you know what's going to make me uncomfortable because I'll have to hear your balking mouth and who you talk to and how you'd slander me and say I'm too hard but I got big shoulders have a lot of friends I can cry and weep too and they can pray with me repentance is a controversial message Repentance is it's such a controversial thing because when you go to the waters of baptism, you have a pastor or you have somebody there that's baptizing you in the water. Whenever you go to the Holy Ghost, God does that. I know you're there and you have your hands raised, but God does that. But when it comes to repentance, so the message of repentance in many ways has contributed both to the death of Jesus and John, really. Notice though, but before Jesus ever left, he sent out his 12 disciples to minister in Israel. And just as he had taught them, he said, this is what I want you to do in Mark 6, 12. And I don't think I have it up there. But the Bible says they went out and they preached that men should repent. John did it. Jesus did it. Before Jesus left, he says, I need to have a voice still on the earth. That's going to say, this is wrong. That is right. You need to turn this thing around. The first word out of Peter's mouth was, repent. Without repentance, when you take a person to baptism, you're burying them alive. It's essential. Now let me tell you, there are many voices. There are a lot of charlatans today. They're preaching health and prosperity. Get rich, put your hand up on the screen, send some seed money. <clears throat> Miracles and wealth and all that stuff. But they never address the heart problem, the sin problem. Can you get a miracle of sin in your life? Yep. Can you be wealthy with sin in your life? Yep. Mm-hmm. Can you get rich and all that? Yeah. Can you be in good health and have sin in your life? Yep. But let me tell you something. You won't go to heaven with sin in your life. No sin shall enter Therein, Scripture says. So you can go on and live life, have your money, have your health, have it all, but you won't have heaven. Amen. And so it is vitally, vitally important. The word repent in itself comes from two words, one of them meaning change of, the other one meaning mind or purpose. It's a change of mind and purpose. And more specifically in the scripture in the New Testament, it was often though that word used for the majority of the time, a change that was for the better. A change that was for improvement. A change for something that was more notable. There's an old ancient Chinese proverb that says, 
if we do not change our direction, we're likely to end up where we're headed. I know that ain't rocket science. But in sometimes it seems like it is rocket science for us. You know, if I keep on this road right here, I'm headed, I'm headed east. But if I keep on this road right here, I'll make California, I guess, if you do, if you go take a boat and a few more countries you're going to go through maybe. If you keep going the way you're going, you don't change direction, you're going to end up exactly where you're headed. But we're invincible people, aren't we? We think the rules don't apply to us. We're invincible people. We think that the outcome's going to be different because it's me. Don't you? We don't maybe think that literally in our minds, but we live our lives sometimes as though that's the way we think. We're invincible. I got the get-out-of-jail-free card here. It's not the case. It's all on a level playing field, and it applies to each and every one of us. Experience throughout the church has shown that nearly every individual that has ever repented has thrown something away. In the churches, there's been people that have taken stuff, music that they used to listen to that they don't listen to anymore. A change of direction and purpose. Movies that they used to watch they don't watch anymore. A change of direction and purpose. Books that they had on their bookshelves that they no longer uh, read and no longer entertain their mind with because there's been repentance, a change of purpose. Games that they had played that they no longer uh, involved themselves in playing. Magazines that they used to read. Drugs that they used to do. Alcohol they used to drink. Tobacco that they used to have. Amen. Need I go on? And whenever they repent, something usually is thrown away. Years ago, we were more con- convinced of the idea of repentance than what we are today. Years ago, when a person went down to an altar and they repented, they got up from there living a different life than they lived before they entered that place. Today, we got better grace periods than your uh, collectors do. 30 days has turned into 30 years. I feel like the collectors roam in the pews this morning. <laughs> it's not a one-time action. It's not a one-time action. It's not just something that happens when you're born again with water spirit. Bishop says it's an everyday thing. The Apostle Paul said that he died daily. <clears throat> what does that do? That works for me because there are going to be those things even sometimes without me warranting them or wanting them that's going to try to find their way back in my life. Through some means of temptation, appealing to my desires, those things, my own enticements are going to try to call out to me. And I need a daily life of repentance so that each day I can remember I've changed my mind. Because if you go too many days without that, you'll allow those things to creep back in. You'll allow those things to have the foothold in your life. You'll allow those things to come just as involved in your life prior to you ever coming to a church but you'll still come to church and feel comfortable with it being there and going to church. And that is not an enviable spot when you get comfortable with your sin and with trying to live for God with your sin. said in Acts 2 Thursday, he said and when they heard this they were pricked in their heart when they heard this and so whenever you understand that something is wrong or something is incorrect that we may be doing whenever we hear that we got a decision on our hands see that changes the game forever for us once you come to the knowledge that something is wrong it changes the game for you because now you have just a couple of options you must decide amen to ask for God's mercy or you're going to try to defend where you're at You're either going to say, okay, God, this is wrong. You said it was wrong, and so we're going to turn this thing around. I'm asking for your mercy, or you're going to defend where you're at to try to make it look like it's not as bad as it is, and God can wink his eye at that. The Bible says, Jeremiah 7 and verse number 3, Sister McGee this morning, Jeremiah 7 verse 
Number three, I don't know if I've been hard on you today. I know I've used some scriptures, some scriptures I haven't used, so on and so forth. Jeremiah 7 and 3. Thank you. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. He says, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Verse number 5, if you will. For if ye thoroughly amend your ways and your doings. It's interesting that he said your ways and your doings. The way, ways are, you know, ways are, are paths or ways are journeys. Ways are the way that you go, so to speak. And your doings, though, your actions. Because there would be a lot of people that testify, my way is the Lord, but their actions contradict the way that they profess. He says, amend your ways and your, and your doings. He said, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, I don't know if I want to read all this. That's the end of that. Let's go on to verse number, uh, I want to go to Jeremiah 26 and 3 then. That first phrase is really what I want. Jeremiah 26 and verse number 3. If so be, they will hearken and turn every man from his evil way, that I may repent me of the evil which I purpose to do unto them because of the evil of their doings everyone say their doings he says I will repent of the evil of their doings now it's according on which side of mercy you want to live on because whenever you amend some things God says I want to do to them what I was going to do to them and that isn't so much God changing his mind as much as you changing your path it's not like I have him in my hand here and I'm manipulating God no it's just this you do evil there's bad consequences for it you do good there's good consequences for it and so whenever you amend your ways from being evil to good it's not so much God's changing as though you're changing how you're going to be responded to by God according to which side of mercy you want to live on the Bible says in Hosea chapter 14 and verse number 1, it says, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. <laughs> take you some words when you turn to him. And saying to him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously so we will render the calves of our lips or the fruits of our lips praise of our lips now I've seen people go to the Lord with words and it start right at the receive us graciously no repentance do everything under the world and even some in hell and just come back to God here I am Lord receive me graciously but never admit where I walked prior to coming here was wrong. What I did prior to being here was wrong. Not only that, some of us could even admit I knew it was wrong when I started. We just need to get real honest with God. Some of us come to him because maybe something was said or preached and then boom, it strikes our heart. We're like those and when they heard this, they're pricked. Oh man, that, I need to correct this. And so we're going to go to the Lord. But there's some of us that's done things that we knew was wrong, but we need to go to God and just tell him, God, I knew this was wrong to start with, but I did it anyway. I'm sorry about that. I'm not going to try to do this. I'm not going to try to blatantly sin. I'm not going to try to blatantly go against your word. You know, in the Old Testament, those were two different scenarios. Whenever a person sinned with an open mind, they knew what they were doing to someone that sinned ignorantly. There were different sacrifices that was appropriated for each of those sins. Whenever one done it ignorantly, he did it, of course, without knowing. But when he came to the knowledge that was wrong, he had to bring a sacrifice for that sin. But there were other people that just willfully and blatantly sinned, knowing it was sin. It was a different sacrifice that, hey, they had to bring because they had knowledge of it before they ever stepped foot that direction. Yes, sir. Amen. We need 
repentance. He says, whenever we come, he said, we're going to say, Lord, take away all our iniquity. You got iniquity? Yes, I do. I understand it now, or maybe now I'm just owning it. Yes, I do. Graciously, receive us graciously. We'll render you the praise and we'll render you the honor and the glory. Biblical repentance throughout the scripture is not an option. Repentance is not an option. It's not a take it or leave it. It is not an option. Throughout his word, Acts 3.19, he said, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. John preached the message of repentance as a command. Jesus preached the message of repentance as a command. The apostles preached the message of repentance as a command. It's not a take it or leave it doctrine. It is imperative for every single one of us. And so then whenever we repent, he said, repent ye therefore and be converted. Because whenever conversion happens, a person realizes, we realize then when we come to terms with this, we realize our own wickedness, we realize our own iniquity. And along with that, we learn that there is a punishment for that iniquity or for that sin. And then finally... We understand that there's an opportunity here where I can pronounce that sinful lifestyle that should have, should have punishment. And though I can turn from that and embrace the commandment of God and things change. Now that's not to say that every consequence of your sin vanishes. There's good apostolic people certain sitting on church pews maybe for 30 years, but in the formality, the form, the formal, the, the, the infant time of their life, uh, so to speak, those early years, they did some things. They came to God. They repented. They understood they were wrong. They understood there was a punishment for that. And now they're living under the grace and the mercy of God, but some of them are still enduring some consequences of bad decisions. God will take away the ultimate punishment of hell and brimstone and damnation in the afterlife but you're still going to have to live with some of the consequences of decisions that were aforemade there have been cases it seems like some of those been erased but that doesn't happen in every episode it just doesn't going on this morning repentance serves a direct link between actions on earth and the mood of the heavenlies. Its importance is so much so, the Bible tells us in Luke 15 and verse number 10, that he says, I say unto you that there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. The actions on earth affect the mood of the heavenlies. And Bishop, I know a lot of times we just take that scripture and we apply it directly maybe just to someone coming to God their first time and they're going through that, that steps of salvation. But I believe whenever us as his children on a daily means find a place of repentance, we're impacting the mood of the heavens. Amen. That they're affecting the mood of the heavenlies, that there is some joy in the presence of the angels because people have made a conscious choice. Again, today, my mind's going to remain changed for the right direction. Amen. The Bible says, well, I thought maybe my phone died, but it was just time was up. Um, the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 18, should have never pressed that button, Ezekiel 18 and verse 31, and I'll close with these verses of Scripture if you'll stand with me. Maybe that in the story, but okay. Ezekiel 18, verse 31. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? I want to encourage someone today in the process of all this. Go back, Sister McGee. I want to encourage somebody in the process of all this that if you put forth the effort in casting it away, God will empower you for that action. If you'll put forth that effort, if you're trying to get rid of a certain thing in your life, if you put forth that, God will empower you for that action. God will honor you for that effort, for that mind change.
for that determination. Go on, verse 32. I'm sorry, where, where everybody's standing up here. What are you doing? Come on. For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Look, God says, I don't have no pleasure in that. He said, but if you stay in your sins and your transgressions, he said, you're going to die. He said, but I don't take pleasure in that. I'm not some vindictive God out here raging saying, ha, ha, I lost another one today. No. He said, I don't take pleasure in that. He said, wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. Going on to chapter 33, verse, 33 verses 18 and 19. And when the righteous turneth from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, he shall even die thereby. Die by what? Die by the very thing he turned to, iniquity. But if the wicked turn from his wickedness, but if the wicked turn from his wickedness and do that which is lawful and right, he shall live thereby. I close with this story this morning. It was illustrated in a book, Yes, Lord, I Have Sinned. It said a company seeking to promote its barber supplies at a convention decided to present its goods in a dramatic way. The organizers found a local wino and brought him before their audience to show how wretched and unkempt his hair and beard were. Then they cleaned him up, put a whole new outfit on him, cut his hair, shaved his beard. When he came back on stage, he stood as a vivid proof of the effectiveness of the company's soap, shampoo, cologne, and other barber products. It said the next day, the corporate marketing team went looking for this man again. They found him passed out in a gutter, dressed in his filthy new suit. Isn't it unfortunate that as people sometimes can obtain the cleansing of our guilt, yet we'll return to the same gutter of shame time and time again. But God promises us to purge our conscience from dead works not just for our personal reprieve, but also this is the reason he said. He said, you purge your conscience from dead works. That's just not a benefit for you personally. He said, but also that we might serve the living God. It's not just to get rid of guilt and shame for us personally, but it's to turn our lives then in service to the king, in service to something vastly different than what we once served. Can we bow our heads all across this place this morning? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.